0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. So happy to see you. So honored to be here. Like I said before, my name is Carson. My wife and I are the family pastors here at Banner Church. I get the high honor of hanging out with your little ones every single week. Um, if you didn't know, if you don't have a child, we have an entire kids ministry behind this wall and in our basement and it's a ton of fun. Trust me, it sounds a lot better than we're throwing your kids in the basement. It's a ton of fun. So, uh, we get to be down there every week, but as I said, Pastor Josh, uh, and Katie who are out of town, he's, uh, preaching at his, uh alma mater, if you will, uh, his old church celebrating his birthday, and so I just weaseled my way up here, so, you know, I saw an opportunity, so (laughs) I took it, Uh, but on that note, would you join me? I know they're not here, but they can listen to this later, but can we just honor our senior pastors, Josh and Katie? Could you just clap for them? They just lead our church so amazingly well and so faithfully. Um, I'm not sure if any of you follow us on social media, but this week we uh, I was posting about Pastor Josh and I up on the roof fixing a vent. Literally, man, this guy is a servant. I mean, he is on his hands and knees on the sweltering roof making sure that we have air on this morning so we're just so deeply honored to have them as senior pastors today but i'm so i'm honored to be here and to um just share a word that i believe god's given me the first thing i want to do is i'd ask you to put your hand on your heart and would you just repeat after me say i am loved all right say it like you kind of believe say i am loved by god and this church some of you only believe half of that statement. You think, yeah, I know these people are nice, but I don't really think God is that pleased with me or he loves me that much. Or you think, well, I got a relationship with God. as these people around me I can't stand. But no, today it doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket. It doesn't matter how many years of church you've been a part of. We are deeply honored that you're here today. You are loved by a Father in heaven who is madly in love with you. And you're loved by this community of people. Hey, we don't know everything. It's okay if you don't either. Um, But you're here. You're in the fight. Right? It's easy to let the weight of life keep you in bed or keep you at home. Or it's easy to let your past of, I don't really know what I'm doing, so I guess I'll I'll take myself out of it. You're in the fight. You're in the building. So I honor you and I thank you. I want to highlight, as Terry said, we got Miss Rhonda back in the house after... A pretty random, crazy car accident, she's back in the house. We'd love to see her. And Henry and Charity, we're so happy and honored that you and Adam are back in the house today. My favorite cactus kid, Adam. They're the only parents that let me hold their baby when I asked. And I didn't really know him. I said, I think I need to hold your baby because I like it. And they're like, okay. So we're so happy you guys are in the house today. So I just believe that you're loved by God and you're loved by this church, okay? So to start off, I'd like to tell you all a story about what an amazing husband I am. Um, We're going to spend probably two hours just on this. No, I'm joking. But I want to tell you, this is my wife, Stacey K. right here. If you've never met her, Stace, lift your hand. Hey. She flew in at 7.30 a.m. this morning from a wedding in Kentucky because she's like, I've got to be in church. She woke up at 1 a.m. this time to get on an airplane and get here. And she's, she didn't take a nap, so she's amazing. But I want to tell you about the story of us getting married. It's actually a really unique story. We dated for three years. Um, we were living in Colorado Springs. I quit my job and then proposed. Fellas, not the best um, formula to take. You should have a job if you're getting engaged. However, felt like, man, our time in the season in Colorado Springs was over. So we got engaged. We got married. We spent like three months being engaged and like, man, I've got a couple of jobs lined up. Once we get married, this is where we're going to go. We did our wedding. It was awesome. And then we went to a job interview in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, to work in ministry, because that's what I felt like, man, God has called me just to be in ministry. This is my deepest heart's cry. I'd done five years of youth ministry beforehand, and I was, man, I just we want to be in church. That's what that's what I want to do. So we went and did this job interview, did the whole week, and it, and it seemed awesome, and it was great, right? And I felt like, man, the Lord had promised me in times of prayer, he's like, I will put you in a place and in a church where you're operating in your gifts, and you've got quality people around you, okay? So we do this job interview, and it's like, man, this is it. This is going to line up perfectly. We got married. We did the honeymoon job interview was literally the next week, okay, so, or, like, the next three days. So we got off our honeymoon, then went to Baton Rouge, did the interview, thought it was great. As soon as we got off the plane to get home, I get a call and says, hey, it's not a good fit. We're not going to go. We're not going to follow through. And I'm like, because uh, 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 that was my plan. I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll, like, move here, and then that's, like, where we'll live. And so when I got this call I realized that I wasn't as close to the promise as I thought I was, right, and so we did the math basically for six months. Stacey and I lived with her parents. we traveled around the u s trying to figure out where we want to live in that time, we stayed in our first six months of marriage, we stayed in twenty six different beds, like in other people's houses. So for those of you that aren't married, guys, they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, a couch is great. But women, like, man, they got to have their space. They want to have something that's theirs. And so I'm coming off being a bachelor. I'm like, oh, yeah, we can sleep here and here and in the car, and it's it's just fine. And she's like, of I need a place. But so we were traveling around, continually trying out these places, thinking this is the promise. No, this is the promise. No, this, and it wouldn't work out, or it wasn't good fit, or didn't have a feeling. And we just begin to feel the strain of our heart in the situation of God. You promised that we would be in a place and in a church with great people serving in our gifts, but everything that keeps happening, it's not that. It's getting prolonged. We're, we're everywhere. My wife's not happy. I'm not happy. What's going on? But throughout that time, in our history, in our past, we did a school of ministry where we were a part of hours of prayer a day, two hours in the morning, an hour in the noon, and two hours a night. So literally five hours of prayer, Monday through Thursday, for just about three years. And in that time, we learned and cultivated the spirit and this attitude of worship, that we connect with God through worship and prayer, but they are not separate. Worship is prayer. Prayer is worship. So I would sing my struggle. I would sing my pain to the Lord. And if you've heard me sing, It's not the prettiest of sound i'm still waiting for my callback for the worship team, but it's whatever But I would sing my frustration. Okay, and here's the deal about eight months ago I had a dream about moving to phoenix, arizona. I had been here once We had some friends in tucson, but we didn't feel like we wanted to go to tucson for obvious reasons. Am I right? (laughs) It's tucson (laughs) but I had a dream State, we had one family member here that helped Stacy get a job, and then I started. Uh, we got an apartment right down the street. We're like, okay, we'll move to Phoenix. This is what the Lord's saying. Okay, we get, you got a job. Okay, let's get an apartment by where we work. And then I just started walking around Old Town looking for a job. And so I walked into um, Giving Bracelets, a very high-end store, Um, not really, but I met some quality people. I met Allie Fank. She worked there and she said, Hey, my husband and I lead worship of this church. I never heard a banner. I never heard of any of these people. And we came and felt family. And as we were serving, Pastor Josh approached us and said, Hey, would you like to come on staff? And that was the time almost a year later from when we got married, did this interview of what I thought would be the promise. We finally walked into it. And I tell you this story today, church, because the reality is true that the process can proceed your promise. Right? I'm going to say that again. The process can proceed the promise. Meaning oftentimes we get these promise or these moments from the Lord, but it doesn't exactly happen the way we want. But understand any promise God makes, he is so faithful and right and honest, and he will fulfill that promise today. Can you honor God for just his faithfulness to fulfill those promises? See, our story is nothing new. There's a guy in the Bible. His name is David. Uh, He liked to sing. He was a king. Um, And so David was anointed to be king uh, while he was still a shepherd out in the field serving his father's flock. He got passed over by seven of his other brothers. His father's like, he's more handsome. He's more strong. He's more... He didn't even bring him in the house. But after he was anointed, he walked straight into being king, right? No. If you read the Bible, you know that's true. Almost 15 years passed after he was anointed to be king, until he was actually crowned to be king. So in that time... Uh, is when he faced Goliath. He was banished by Saul, hid in the desert, lived on the run, forced out of the nation, and fought many battles. Now, if you're thinking God made so much intention to make this promise to him, why didn't he walk straight into it? Because sometimes the process has got to precede the promise. And so David gives us this amazing and awesome example of what it's like to go through process on your way to promise. Because everybody wants to get to that promise, correct? Nobody wants to get taken out along the way because you didn't have the stuff or you didn't believe enough. You want to make it to the promise because the promise is good. The promise is great, but the process is hard. And so in Psalm 118, which is what we're going to read today, uh, I don't have slides for it, and here's why. Because it is a psalm, and so it's broken down, um, like vertically, left aligned. So I would encourage you right now, bring out your phones. And because when you read it on in like the native scripture, um, and if you don't have a phone, we've got Bibles. So if you need a Bible or you want a hard copy, go ahead and lift your hand up, and uh, Mr. Kevin will get those. And if you don't own one, feel free to keep it. But I wanted to read this with you because it shows the breakage, and, and we can read along. But to give some context to this psalm is this, um, David right now is writing just before he's going to be crowned king. And as we, and as I said, and as we reflected, the process can be hard, right? The promise is great, but the process can really stink. And the temptation in that process is to what? It's to lose heart, it's to grow bitter, is to be, God isn't really as good as He said He was going to be. I. I'm losing heart. Because right at the promise, right, as soon as he said, uh, you know, David, you will be king. I'm sure he was stoked. Like, let's go, y'all. I'm no longer out here in the field being stinky. You passed over me. But guess what, y'all? I just can't wait to be king. Lion king, anybody? Anyways. So he's stoked. But the process has a tendency to make our heart grow weary, right? Has anyone ever gathered a weary heart? You've been through a process before. Some of you young people are like, yeah, that one time when like like my phone fell in water and it was just like so hard. I just that process really, it just I felt it. No, but some of you with the years on your life, you're like, man, I've seen process. I've seen years of process, but God's been faithful. And like I said, the temptation is to let your heart grow weary and to let your heart die while in that process. And in John 14, one, it says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, so also believe in me. An alive heart is how God will encounter you and take you deeper into his love. Okay? You can have a dead heart and come to God and he can make it alive again. But he says, do not let your heart grow troubled. Do not let your heart die. Do not let the pain of life cause weakness and things to break down in your heart because when you shut off your heart, you shut off connection, right? Some of us have met these people today. They want nothing to do with God. They want nothing to do with authentic, nice people because their heart has been shut off by the pain and the process of life. But he says, do not let that heart grow troubled. Believe in God, and I will connect with you. I will take you deeper to a place you never could have imagined as long as you keep your heart alive and in psalm 118 david gives us kind of the backstory and the history of what was happening with israel the story and the journey of israel from um, the exodus from egypt into this point so as we read psalm 118 i want you to kind of keep this in mind okay It's part of five, a group of five books in the Bible, or the book of Psalms, called Halal. Say Halal. Halal. Say it again, Halal. Halal. Tap somebody, say Halal. Okay, it's one of the seven Hebrew words for praise, and it means praise with thanksgiving, or thankfulness, okay? Maybe you've heard this term before, hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. Well, we see, we break that down. Yah is Hebrew for God. Halal, thanksgiving. Halal, Yah, hallelujah. Yeah. So when we say hallelujah, that means we're lifting up thanks to God. So the reason it's in this collection is because David is about to step in. He's about to start his first day on the job, and he's reflecting on the process that brought him here. And he recounts so many things, but you've got to read it with this mindset of thankfulness, of gratitude. I was trying to find a clip today, but if you ever um, watch maybe a Super Bowl or something more obscure like the Stanley Cup or um, the World Cup's going on right now, and they always pull up to someone and they interview the quarterback, and they're like, how are you feeling right now? in this big, strong man is like man i'm so excited right now i knew my team could do it i'm just like uh. and their voice and their demeanor it's just full with joy because they've just gone through a process into the promise so i want you to have that mindset of how david is writing this he's about to start his first day on the job after he's gone through so much of the excitement that's there okay so we're going to start reading psalm 118 says this this is our memory verse and kids they're really good at it. i bet you guys can memorize it too it says this give thanks to the lord for he is good his love endures forever let israel say his love endures forever his let A- the house of aaron say his love endures forever Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph over my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the nations, of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. Imagine a swarm of bees. That is your trouble. That is your life. It consumes. There is panic, but Though life surrounds us through the Lord, we overcome, we triumph. The Lord cuts them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but I will live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. I've been through a process, but I was not done. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We're not covering this, but that's a prophecy of Jesus, which is really cool. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord grant us success. Blessed is those who come in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord we bless. For you we bless you. The Lord is good and he has made his light shine on us. With bows and hands join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Ready? Let's all say this last line together. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen? Amen. So we read, and he tackles these points in this process. My enemy surrounded me. They swarmed on me like bees. You are good, and your love endures forever. Have any of you ever felt like you've been swarmed by bees? You've been sworn by the trials of life. You felt it. Yet how did David get to the point where he says, no, your love endures forever. And some of you get this. You you really resonate with David's excitement because you understand the grace of God that's on your life. You understand where you were when God found you and where he's taken you. You probably could have never dreamed so, but some of you are thankful for the grace, and some of you get that because God brought me here, who knows where he will take me next. But there's one key thing and um, aspect that cultivates this desire, and it cultivates this mindset, okay? And it's, on, it's in verse 14, okay? It says this—or excuse me. Um, yes, verse 14, it says this, "'The Lord is my strength and my defense.'" He has become my salvation. Okay, so at first glance, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, he's our, he's our strength. He's our defense. But we're going to dive into some, some Hebrew there. In some translations, it says this, the Lord is my strength and my song. So that word that is defense is the Hebrew word zimrah. And zimrah means both song and defense. That's kind of weird, right? It's kind of like two words that don't really like mean the same. Like um, in Texas, we say ol, But like in normal people, they're like oil, right? It's like they sound different, but they mean the same, right? But it's interesting, song and defense, I wouldn't equate those two necessarily. But what David is saying is that the Lord is my strength. He's my song. My song means my defense. My defense is my song. My song was my defense. My song became the defense against the process. The trial of life, he says throughout all of this, and you look at David's life, I mean, dude was homeless, betrayed, ran around, exiled of the, of the nation of he was set to be king. And the only way he got back to the promise, he didn't let his heart die and grow weary, was his song, was his defense. So what does that mean for us today? And what David is saying that, man, worship is what got me through it. Worship is what brought me through this journey, because when we worship, we sing the song that God first sang over us, which means we come into alignment with what God is doing, and when we lift our voice, it gives us a better and greater perspective of our life and our situation right It makes the distinguish oh my gosh the distinguishment oh my i'm sorry um it makes the difference between <laughs> Yeah, between the one who set the world in motion and whose world spins out of control. Right? Amen. When we worship, it gives us a greater perspective of our situation and who has called us into that process to a promise. When we worship, it breeds gratitude. And you know what is the remedy to a dying heart? Gratitude. Gratitude is the lifeblood of the dying heart. Because nothing makes you feel different about your situation when you count your blessings rather than what's against you, right? Nothing causes your selfishness and your bitterness to dissipate like being gracious and issuing gratitude for what God has done for you. So when we worship, it breeds gratitude. And gratitude is the thing that helps us through the process on the way to the promise, So how do you keep your heart alive? It's by being gracious. It's being gratuitous, right? It's by worshiping. It's by your song. So I want to talk about a few points about the biblical act of singing, okay? How many of you would call yourselves a singer? You're like, man, I love to sing, and I sound good right less than literally 10% of the room to start i'm going to talk about my, i'm going to be vulnerable and talk about my experience with singing okay just to give you an like an idea so growing up my mom was an amazing singer my mom actually was a part of a girls choir that sang for the queen of england back when she was in elementary school so my mom went and traveled to england and sang for the queen now my dad on the other hand literally couldn't like keep a beat uh, if it hit him like he like if someone wrapped it up in a box and gave it to him He still couldn't keep it like tone deaf to the major degree like clapping on the offbeat horrible. Okay. So that's kind of my background. But because my mom can sing, that didn't mean we necessarily had a musical household. Okay. When I was in elementary school, all my uh, friends were auditioning for the choir. So like, I'm going to audition for the choir. I never sang before. No surprise. I didn't make the choir in elementary school. Okay. One time when we were in our school of ministry, someone asked me, hey, will you sing on this worship set? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, totally. And as I was singing, I was looking out in the audience and people were laughing at me. Okay. And another part, we did a live recording for, like, an album our church was doing. So we did, like, gang vocals, which is like a choir in a room. And they asked me to stop singing and leave because I was, like, too loud or I didn't sound good, okay? So I have all this, like, background in not, like, being a good singer, okay? So when I first got saved and when I first started encountering God in worship, my worship became limited to my interest in a song right because i didn't have the stamina i didn't have the spirit of being a worshiper of cultivating gratitude to press in so because i i was like well i'm not a singer but i like i like it when it's like a killer drum solo or like when it's fast paced or when they like do this cool thing but when it gets to these slower songs i mean gag me with a fork snooze fest am i right But what the seasoned Christian will tell you is that your limitations are not God's limitations and how you limit yourself based on your interest is not indicative of the glory that God deserves. So just because you lost interest, it doesn't mean he lost worthiness. He still has all this worthiness despite your lack of interest. Okay. And so because I let my worship be limited by my interest, my heart began to fade. My heart began to die because I wouldn't press into things. And the trials of life all but took me out at a younger age. Because, yeah, worship's just, it's just kind of karaoke. It's just like, let's sing these, these Christian karaoke songs. And when they get to build my life, like, oh, I don't really like that one, so I'm done. Like, I wonder what the weather's like. I wonder what food I'm going to eat after church today. When we limit our worship based on our interest, we're robbing God of what he's wanting to do on the inside of you. When you allow your interest and your attention to dictate the health of your heart, you're signing up for pain throughout the process. He's given you that solution today. He's like, I will make your heart alive when you engage me and you encounter me in worship and pray to me. Worship and prayer are not different. And so when we, like I mentioned, when we were in this school of ministry, y'all, five hours a day, you don't, like, five hours a day we were in prayer meetings with worship playing and um like people prayer leading, So Stacey was a part of this group. Our friend Desiree is in town today. She's amazing. You she drove in from Tucson? Sorry. Um, but she was a part of this same culture where, man, night, morning, noon, and night, we were engaging God. I'm not sure if many of you have been a part of that, like, type culture before. But starting out, man, you run out of things to pray really quick. Man, our first two weeks when I was in 2012, I, I prayed for every single person I ever met. I pray for every country I'd ever thought of. I was like, what else do I pray for? So I just began to pray for my sleep because that's what I would do its just fall asleep in these prayer meetings, okay? But the continual attendance in the place of prayer, the faithfulness to seek God in a personal prayer time is what cultivates a heart that desires to worship him. And it's not easy, right? We've got to practice this presence. But the more you go, the more you work out that muscle in your life, and the more you breathe this gratitude because the more you're in his presence, the more you know about him. And the more you know about him, you understand how good of a father he is. And when you understand how good of a father he is, you understand that it does not matter what I do in life. I will never get him to stop loving me. And I will never get him to love me more. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to strive. For it because I've got a good father that is faithful to meet me when I ask him. And the trials and the process of life do not have the power that they once did because I am walking in communion with God. But guess what? You got to do it. You got to draw away into his presence, whether it's in the morning in your room, you put on worship music, you, you read through the Psalms, you read through the Gospels, and you just begin to commute and pray with God. You're doing that or you're attending these presence nights that start this Wednesday. That's literally what this night is, presence night. Half of the word is night because it happens at night. The other word is the most important, presence. It's his presence. We worship, we pray, we want to encounter God more. You know, crazy, this isn't in the notes. God says the greatest commandment is to love him. Matthew 22, they ask him, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? If it were me, I'd say, oh, it's probably to not sin, right? That's the greatest one. Or if it were me, it'd be to tie the lot. That's the greatest commandment. But God says, no, I just want you to love me. I want you to know me. And that's indicative of a leader and a God who desires authentic relationship. Imagine for those of you who pay rent and have a landlord, your landlord doesn't care to know you. He just wants your money. God's not that. He's a landlord that says, I don't care about what you, the money you have, what you look like. I just want to know you. That's the greatest thing you can do. So let's start on Wednesday and love to see you there. But like I said, when we worship, we sing back to God, the song that he first sang over us. And we walk in this series of alignment. We walk into the same thing. Have you ever, um, you know, finished someone's sentence, a great friend? You're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go to Hurricane Harbor or whatever. That's a water park in Texas. But you feel this alignment, this closeness with them when your minds are on the same thing. The same thing is with God. So when we actively worship, when we sing, um, worthy is worthy than every song I can ever sing. You're holy. there is no one like you. He's like, man, they're singing the beat of my heart. They're coming in line with what the Creator of the universe is saying. they're they're doing it. So I just want to talk about three byproducts of encountering God and engaging God by singing, okay? Because many of us, again, Literally, maybe 10 people raise their hand that they call themselves a singer, so that means everyone else doesn't, so they disqualify themselves. Oftentimes, I think there are two types of people in this world. There are those that say they can sing and those that are, that are just convinced they cannot, right? It's not that you can't. You're just convinced you cannot. So here are three byproducts of opening your voice, singing and worshiping God. And I'm not saying everybody should audition for the worship team. Again, I'm still waiting on a callback, so (laughs) it just means there's a long line, so (laughs) just get ready to wait. All right, here's the first one. And if you're taking notes, this is the area of note-taking that I would encourage. A short pencil is better than a long memory any day. And it says this, when you sing, you obey. We kind of touched on this just before, but when we sing and worship God through singing, it's not like, oh, wow, how thoughtful of you. God commanded it in Scripture all along. He's not like, wow, what a creative, new, and inventive idea to engage me. Congrats. He's saying, this is what I asked you to do beforehand. Colossians 3.16 said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. He gives us this command to do it. But we let our interest or our lack of talent or our commitment or our pain of someone saying, ooh, you sound bad, or like, ooh, you're tone deaf. Guess what? You may be tone deaf, but you serve the one who took away death's tone. It does not matter how you sound. It matters who you sound like because we're coming in line with what he said. So when we worship, when we sing, we're obeying. In the book of Revelation, we get a picture of what throne room worship is like. It says that there are four living creatures covered in eyes, okay? Now that's hard to imagine, but imagine someone who's covered in eyes. Their greatest talent is what? Observing, right? Because they're covered in eyes. And it says, for all of eternity, they cry out to the Lord Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They worship him for all of eternity. So, when we sing, we come into alignment with what God calls us to do and what is gonna go on forever. That's an eternity. Number two, when you sing, you are spiritually strengthened for trial. So, this is what I was talking about in the process as David issued, When I sing, I am strengthened there's actually tons of like secular research on singing it's actually really great for your health when you sing no matter how you sound, it releases endorphins, which are like uplifting chemicals in your brain. when you sing it increases blood flow, which helps your brain work, which cultivates mental acuity. They surveyed um, a group of people half of them were choral singers, um, and half of them weren't and the choral singers said they were sixty percent more satisfied with their life because they sang and the only difference was because they were actively singing so when we sing when we lift our voice when we're faithful to worship we cultivate a heart that won't die so easy when we're faithful to do that and to lift our voice worthy of every song i could ever sing there is no one like you your heart grows a little stronger every single time and the lord is ready to take you deeper and the third is this a byproduct and a reality when you sing you make war. Maybe some of you wouldn't necessarily equate those two things together. Like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> like, like singing warfare. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, but we see that visible in Colossians three, where Paul is challenging the Colossians to literally put sin to death in their lives, to kill sin. So all the commands to love and peace and forgiveness and teaching and singing are attitudes and habits of a believer that will kill sin. Because here, here's the reality. I'm trying to convince you that you would apply these things to your life, right? I'm trying to give you the benefits. If you worship, you'll produce gratitude, and gratitude will help your heart. But there is a responsibility, and, here, and here's the bigger picture of it. When we worship, there's warfare, And that means you can't necessarily have warfare without opposition. Those of us that are, um, I guess not necessarily me, but some of our amazing um, people who just have more years in their life than I do, they'll tell you anything significant is never accomplished without opposition. If you accomplish something and it had no opposition, it probably isn't that significant. Like, I got out of bed this morning. Like, great. Like, I showered this morning. Like, fantastic. Fantastic. Anyone who's built anything significant, whether it's a company or a ministry or a family, it doesn't come without opposition. And there's cause for the opposition because here's the deal. If you didn't know, I'll be the first to break it with you. And you have a problem with it, just schedule a meeting with Pastor Josh. He's the one who will take care of all of it. But there is a real enemy that we have here on the earth. His name is Satan, he is a liar. He wants to destroy your life. In John 10, 10, it says he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates the things of God, and he hates you. So if you think you will walk through life effortlessly and pain-free, and you will not see opposition, one, you will not accomplish anything significant, and two, you will be proved wrong because any stretch and length you were taking for the lord there was clear opposition coming against you and so why is that why is our worship and some of you hit the worship wall like i said oh one song two songs three oh, i can't do it you hit this wall why is that it's because the enemy is coming against the things of god he is roaming the earth like a lion sinking seeking whom he may devour he don't play y'all but lucky for us Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But why is he like so adamant against, uh, why is he so adamant against coming, oh my goodness. Why is he so adamant about coming against our worship? Well, it's because it was his old job. If you didn't know that, Satan's real name is Lucifer, and he was the lead worship leader in heaven. Lucifer means light bearer. So he was this creature that was covered in jewels and mirrors and would literally reflect the light of God and multiply it. And when an angel said, hey, I want to sing a song to God, they would come to Lucifer, and he would deliver this beautiful song to God. He had these instruments woven within him, horns and timbrels and um, just everything. So every move he made, every sound he made would come out as worship. But he decided he wanted the worship for himself, so that is why he hates the things of God, he hates the people of God because you stole his job the anointing that used to be specifically for lucifer the light bearer has now been established on each and every one of you you are the greatest worship leader that's ever been born you are the greatest singer that's ever been because you have a connection to the father because he hears you no matter what you say or do you have the connection and that drives him crazy but it's easy to think, wow, he had instruments all in his body. Everything he did was worship. Well, guess what? So do you. You got a string instrument on the inside of you. It's called your vocal cords, if you know what I'm saying. Every step. You take sounds like the beating of a drum calling forth the purposes of God. When you clap your hands, it sounds like cymbals. When you lift up a sound to the Lord, it's the greatest sound He's ever heard. You are a walking worship machine. Do not let your worship be limited by your interests and overcome the opposition because God is greater and God is in you and God has given you the power to overcome it because He is worthy his worthiness is not limited by your lack of interest he has given you the ability you're a walking worship machine greater than he could ever be satan that is but yet we face this opposition and as we close i'd like to invite our band up uh, right now so kind of to review oftentimes we're given this promise from the lord But there's a process that comes with it and that's not always great but the way we solve the the hardship of the deadening of our heart is by worshiping it's cultivating a spirit of worship but sometimes that's hard because life is hard if you haven't experienced trials in life just keep living they'll come you just haven't lived long enough and this wouldn't be a great sermon if we didn't talk about jesus And here's the fact and the aspect I want to leave you with today. Jesus is an advocate for you. Jesus is an advocate for your worship. No matter how much shame you feel of based on what you've done, I can't come to God like this. I've done too much, I gotta get myself clean. You won't, you can't. No matter what someone has said to you that's stolen your voice, Jesus advocates for you. And here's an example. Matthew 21, starting in verse 14. Jesus had just come into the temple and he'd flipped the tables. It's a pretty awesome scripture because the religious of that day were trying to limit people's worship or they were trying to quantify their worship, meaning like they brought their sacrifice and oh no, that's not good enough. But if you buy one of our doves, you can sacrifice it. So manipulating people's authentic desire to worship God but putting standards and limitations on it based on what they could bring. So after Jesus flipped the table, he then heals this blind man. That's where we'll pick up reading. It says the blind in the lane came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, the children shouting, singing in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant meaning the teachers of the law. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Basically what these religious leaders and teachers were saying is, these children's worship is wrong. This is not a theologically correct statement. I don't care if they just saw something amazing. These children just watched Jesus heal a blind and lame man. He couldn't see and then he could. He didn't have a leg and then he did. These children saw Jesus rightly and what came out of them. Hosanna to the son of David. When we see Jesus correct, we can't help but to have worship come out of us. And so when these children lifted up their worship, the religious elite of the day was trying to make it null and void. Jesus, do you hear what they're saying? Can't you correct them? These children don't know anything. Their statement they've made isn't even correct. It's not even the time and the place to do this. Aren't you gonna say something about it? And Jesus says, yes, replied Jesus. Have you ever read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? Jesus' answer to the voice of shame that tries to limit your worship is don't you know that I'm calling forth worship out of children and infants, meaning people that don't really understand what they're saying, but the feeling and the emotion inside of them is boiling over and it's pure and it's honest. That is the one that I'm calling forth worship, not the religious elite that have tailored their prayers and their songs perfectly he's saying the people that don't really get it but they're coming with the heart they're in the fight there's an emotion they just saw me and they can't help but to yell those are the ones that I have come for those are the ones that pure worship will come out of and that is you today You may not have it all together you may not be able to sing literally a lick you may have been kicked out of the choir the recording like me it does not matter if you have a desire when we see jesus the sound that comes out is the sound that he has called forth he's not only our advocate in that way many of you know he lived a perfect life he hung on a cross he spilled out all of his blood so that we may live in heaven again oftentimes people think well god sends certain people to heaven and certain people to hell no get this church we were destined for punishment all along for the wages of sin or death jesus is the only opportunity and chance we had That's what type of person he is. God is not a God that's like, I'm feeling good this day, not so good about them. We're rightful for punishment. Jesus is the only chance. Jesus was the only opportunity we had. But he poured out all his blood so that you could have the opportunity to connect with him through worship. He gives us this chance and this opportunity. So today, I just invite all of you, firstly, just to stand with me. And the first thing I'd like to say is there is a free opportunity today to sign up to follow Jesus, to make him your Lord, to accept the free gift of salvation that he's given you. It's free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay us any money. You don't have to be tall enough, rich enough, good-looking enough. It's a free gift. And the reason he poured out his blood is because he so desires to connect with you. So that's my first call and my charge today is this and i'm not going to embarrass you i'm not going to ask you to lift your hands i'm not going to ask you to do anything but the second thing i want to do today in the short time we have and i'm so appreciative of you guys spending your sunday with us is man i just want to worship <laughs> i just want to sing to god because i don't know about you guys but sometimes times i just My strength isn't enough for this week. I got family drama. I got stuff going on. We got financial things. We're not perfect just because we work here at the church and I just need a touch of God. I need my heart to come back alive again from the times I've let it grow weary of life and I hope I'm not alone today. So what the band's gonna do is they're gonna play Build My Life. And that's our heart's cry because it does two things. It acknowledges that God is holy, God is different, God is worthy, and it declares that that is the thing I'll build my life on. And if you're here today and you're ready to take that next step, whether it is to follow God for the first time, or you're here today say, man, I'm not gonna let my worship ever be limited by how I feel, I invite you just to come to this altar our prayer team will come around after a few minutes. They'll just lay hands on you. And that's to, to encourage you, to agree with you, to make sure you're not doing life alone. But I just in- encourage you for the next few moments, few minutes, can you, can, you, can you come to God? Can you encounter him? Can you lift your voice? You know all the benefits. I've given it to you. But can you just come and inquire of the man that poured out his blood? for you while singing this song today. Let me pray for you and then they'll sing. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we can't do this life without you, Lord. Father, we pray the Spirit of God would come so heavy and thick in this room. Lord, that those have a a desire to encounter you in a greater way, that our hearts have grown weary, that our hearts have grown stale, that our hearts have grown dead because of the tough times of life. Jesus, we need more of you. Jesus, we need an outpouring of the Spirit and the love of God. Jesus, we want to connect with you through the act of worship. So, Lord, blow through this room. Jesus, blow through this room. Holy Spirit, come encounter our hearts again today like the time you gave us the promise. Lord, we're stepping into the promise that you gave us that you'll never lead us. There is a process, but you're with us, God. I just open up the altar to you to encounter God and to worship him. In Jesus' name.